thank you so much, um, Mr. President. And uh, it was a it was a very good day, I believe, in the life of Nazarene Bible College when uh, the Lord allowed us to elect and select Scott Sherwood to serve as president. And really grateful for the way he is uh, a capable uh, and wonderful spokesman for the work of the college. And he he lives it and breathes it every day. And we're here today. Uh, because he believes it and casts a wonderful vision for us, and I'm grateful. And I'm looking forward with great anticipation to the future about uh, some great things that are really around the corner for NBC. As as somebody who lives uh, maybe just a tad closer to the front line than the academy does in the district superintendency, I realize you guys are also in the front line, just in a different part of the of the trenches, so to speak. But I just want to give you a very brief, extremely brief report of how God is moving here in Virginia. And I'm just I'm I'm just humbled by the fact that uh, we see the hand of God working in such powerful ways. I have a couple of slides. I'm going to see if I can share my screen with you. Uh, this might help, and hopefully you can see. Are you able to see those? Somebody wave at me to, so that I know you can see that screen. Okay. Uh, this first uh, picture, I, I love showing this because uh, these three different inset pictures tell a wonderful story. In the top left, you see the gentleman with the orange shirt. That's Dick Desar. Dick pastored for almost 30 years our church in Manassas, Virginia. Very effective pastor. Came to us many, many years ago from the United Methodist Church. But he'd found a home in the Church of the Nazarene because of our emphasis on holiness. Um, his son, who's right there next to him in the sport coat, is Steve Gazar. Steve is a graduate of Nazarene Bible College with a bachelor's degree and is currently the chair of the uh, credentials board here in Virginia and a real blessing to the whole district. He pastors at Front Royal Church, which is only a few miles from Manassas. But the interesting thing is that Steve, Steve, um, for many years was far from God, and uh, he could lose himself in a bottle at the corner bar, which was over there in Front Royal near where he lived. And he had no real clue that about 200 yards away from that little corner bar <laughs> was a church of the Nazarene, that a few years later, after God had gotten a hold of his life, that God would place him to be the pastor of that church less than 200 yards away from a place where he used to lose, almost lose his soul. It's just such a powerful story. And then right next to Steve is Steve's son, Dominic, uh, Daniel. He has a son named Dominic, but that's Daniel. So uh, we have Dick, the father, Steve, the son, and Daniel, the holy grandchild. <laughs> and uh, they're all ministers right now in our Front Royal Church serving. Daniel is uh, is a student and district licensed, heading towards ordination soon. And what a neat story to see how God is calling through generations and raising people up to leadership. Next to me on the picture there standing um, is Caleb Bradley. Caleb in this picture is standing next to me. He's 13 years old. I'm almost six foot tall. That tells you he's a tall young man and a big guy too. He has two ambitions in life. One is he wants to play football, hopefully in the NFL. 
And the other is he, he knows God has called him to preach. And he is what they call the junior minister at age 14 in our Richmond Woodville church where Charles Tillman is the pastor. And just about any Sunday, you'll find Caleb Bradley decked out in a nice suit and tie, and he'll walk behind Charles Tillman carrying his pulpit Bible with him as they make their way to the front. And Caleb has already preached, and last year, before he ever even took a class, we invited him to our credentials board so we could hear his story, and we could tell, we could pray for him. And then just about two weeks ago, I was in our church in Winchester, and I met with Quinn Christine down in the bottom. Quinn was a student that he comes to the church there in Winchester without his parents. He comes because the Lord touched him. And somehow, some way, some people in that church made it possible for him to go to Nazarene Youth Congress in Tampa just a few weeks ago. And if this doesn't this doesn't mess with your mind, I don't know what does. But Quinn got Jesus got a hold of Quinn not only relationally, but in in a sense of a call to preach. So in in just a couple of years, when he's out of high school, he's going to be looking for what God's going to call him to. I don't know if it's going to be Nazarene Bible College or another method of preparation. But he's so intentional in his commitment to serve the Lord, he knew, God told him, that football had taken over an idol's place in his heart. So as a high school football player with very fast feet, he quit for a year of playing high school football so that he could get his priorities straight. He told me that the Lord said he could play next year, just not this year, <laughs> as he's getting it all figured out. That does my heart good when I hear these stories. It reminds me that God's not through doing what he does. Uh, those days are not past days. Those are present days. And God is still in this business. And so what you do at NBC to help make it possible for young men, just so happens to be young men in this picture, um, to respond to the call of God, thanks be to God for that. I wanted you to see this picture too, because this was a powerful moment. You see the young lady front and center. This is Susie Kleinfeld Simmons. Um, her father, Rolf Kleinfeld, was a missionary to Southeast Asia, Cambodia. Uh, for many years, they uh, they lived there. But now Susie was already uh, a student, I think, maybe at Mount Vernon. And uh, this was during the service at which she was being ordained. One of the most remarkable things happened during our ordination service. I think many of you have been to an ordination service in the Church of the Nazarene. There are not too many things we do with a high degree of ritual, but this is one of them. And um, as Dr. Gustavo Crocker was preaching this year, I just kept getting this sense, we need to open this altar at the front of this tabernacle and let people come pray. But if you've been around ordination services, you know that's not usually on the agenda. <laughs> and um, the most amazing thing happened as we were sitting there in the district assembly. Dr. Crocker, after he preached, turned to me and said, and now I'm going to ask our district superintendent to close this service, to close this portion of the service with prayer in any way that he sees fit. <laughs> so I walked up to the microphone and I said, it seems to me that the Lord would be pleased if some of us came to this altar to pray. And within 30 seconds, the altar was lined, as you can see by this picture of the altar in the altar area of people praying. And ironically, if you see down kneeling right in the front center there, there's a man in a dark suit with his hand on a man with a colored shirt. 
I don't know if you can see it. But that man is the husband of Susie Kleinfeld Simmons. And he's praying with his brother, who had come to witness his sister-in-law's ordination. And in that moment, I found out last week, he was praying to accept God's call to ministry in his life. Go figure how the Lord works these things out. I'm just telling you, there's a new wave, there's a new sense, there's a new power of anointing in the Lord's work in these days, and what's happening is an encouragement to me and a real thrill to see how God is indeed at work. And one more thing I'll tell you about Virginia, and then I'll share the little devotional insight. We've been asking pastors to give us a report, an up-to-date report every month. This is a little different than the old statistical report. But we ask for people to report the number of conversions. And so far this year, in about six months' time, on the Virginia District, we've seen 518 people that we know of who've given their hearts and lives to Christ. Thanks be to God. Some on their deathbed, some as children, some somewhere else in between. And the, there's already been more than 200 baptisms. That number is already outdated, I know. We've already received nearly 300 new Nazarenes. We've had almost 5,000 guests in our churches over these six months, and amazingly, we've added 382 or more lay leaders into new ministry areas across our district. Thanks be to God. And we ask our churches also to give us a report on what's happening as the church leaves the building. We talk about Project Gather and Project Go, and Project Go is how the church leaves the building, and so far this year on a goal of hoping that we would do 1,500 such events, we're already at 825 ways the church has left the building to connect into its community. For this, I give thanks and praise to God. His hand is moving, and it's not just in Virginia, and it's not just with the Nazarenes. Woo! If I was a shouting preacher, I'd shout right there. <laughs> so I want to share with you uh, this thought. Um, I, I was I was awakened uh, during the night. I was really going to go a different way, but the Lord brought me to this. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God of, in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. So I realize that it's uh, it's Thanksgiving. You know, where that's tomorrow's celebration. I really hadn't really put it all together, quite honestly. It wasn't that I was drawn to this topic because of that. But I was reminded of a story that happened to me over the last, well, it's taken a decade or more for the story to unfold. And, and I've, I've got a title for the story. And the title would be something like this. The kingdom of heaven is like giving thanks for a cup of coffee at a Wawa convenience store. Now, I don't know if you guys have Wawa convenience stores, but all up and down Interstate 95, there's a whole series of Wawa convenience stores. Wawa is a Native American name for Canadian goose. <laughs> and if you could look closely at their logo, you'll see there's a Canadian goose drawn into that. That's my favorite place to stop and get a cup of coffee when I'm traveling. And I know where they all are and the names of all the exits along the interstates where you can find them. And I also know where the ones are that aren't along the interstate. And I love going to Wawa. It's my choice. You might have a different place, Quick Trip, 7-Eleven, 
I don't know, sheets. There's other ones. There may be one near you. But I'd like for you to think about that for just a moment and consider. Um, a few years ago, it struck me that someone was making my coffee. Now, I realized that intellectually, I knew that somebody was making my coffee. But emotionally, it struck me that someone at the Wawa was making my coffee. And that for all those years, I had been the recipient of good Wawa coffee, and I had never thanked a soul. <laughs> and the Lord started working on me. The Lord whispered to me, like my friend Carrie Willis says, it wasn't audible, it was louder than that. <laughs> and the Lord started talking to me like, Phil, you've, you've gotten all these good cups of coffee and you've never thanked a soul. And you need to go find a way to be thankful. So the Lord and I made a plan that on my next visit to Wawa, I would go in there, get my coffee and look for the coffee maker. Not, not this, not this dispenser. I'm talking about the person behind the dispenser and that the Lord would call on me to find a way to get that person's attention and to express my thanks to the coffee maker of the day. And so I did. I finally got her attention. And the words that I said, I don't remember them exactly, but it went something like this. I'd like to express my thanks to you for making my coffee. I usually have to make my own coffee and I'm grateful that you made it for me. Thank you. It's a special thing that somebody would make my coffee for me. Well, the employee looked at me like I was the strangest person ever, because I don't think anybody probably ever thanked them for making their coffee, and then looked me right in the eye and very boldly and strongly said, thank you. It's my privilege. And I, I realized it was a short interchange. We didn't, we didn't become fast friends. I don't think I've ever seen her again. But now, for many years, and not only at Wawa, I go looking for the coffee maker at the convenience store. <laughs> and it's become something of a spiritual discipline that the Lord has reminded me that I need to do. Um uh, these interactions down through the years have almost all been joy-filled and wonderful. Um, I can't think of a bad one, actually. They've all been a neat high spot in hopefully their lives, but certainly in mine. Because Thanksgiving, it seems, goes a long way, perhaps even further than we realize, into the transforming power of God's grace. Every time I go to Wawa, I'm personally reminded of just how far Jesus has brought me, <laughs> what he's done for me, how he is changing me, how he is transforming me more and more into his image that he has for me. Gratitude like that, or even the thought of looking up the coffee maker to give thanks, much less thanking her or him is far from my natural heart. I've just got to admit it. But when Jesus gets a hold of you, he helps you be and do and find joy and happiness in things you couldn't even imagine. And here we are on the Wednesday before a national celebration of Thanksgiving. 
And I think all of us are naturally drawn to the biggest, the boldest, the broadest, can I say the baddest, <laughs> thanksgiving of them all. I mean, give us the big ones. We'll, we'll succeed in those. And I just like to say, of course, we can give thanks about those things. But when Paul was writing the Thessalonians, he said, in everything, in all things. And for me, it became about my coffee at Wawa. And the kingdom of heaven is like finding an opportunity to give thanks in a simple, mundane moment where the Lord is helping me discover all that he has for me. And I believe that such thanksgiving is certainly intertwined into this thing we call perfect love. Mother Teresa is quoted as having said this, we can do no great thing, only small things with great love. You've probably quoted her on that. That's a powerful idea. And the kingdom of heaven is like this. And for me, the kingdom of heaven has now interrupted my Wawa coffee experience as well it should. So where does the kingdom of heaven wish to intersect your life and your life of gratitude specifically? In the grandiose, in the extraordinary, in the obvious, certainly even in the mundane, but even in the glorious purchase of your Wawa coffee too, whatever it is that it is for you. And I'm still learning, by the way, about such gratitude. Um, the Lord reminded me that he's still teaching me about this. Um, since, since Dr. Sherwood promised, I'll have to deliver. There's Arabella, our six-year-old granddaughter. She was with us. She spent the night, Monday night and Tuesday, um, because she's off school this Thanksgiving week. And, uh, for one hour during the time she was with us, about 45 minutes, I, I needed to be on a Zoom call for some planning for our district assembly. And uh, I explained to her, I set the boundary. I said, you, you work over here. You do this drawing. She wanted to color. And I'm going to be over here on this Zoom call. And I'll be right here. But I need for you not to interrupt me during this time. And then, then we'll play and do all the other things we wanted to do. Well, we had been going for our meeting for a little while, and all of a sudden, into my lap comes a paper airplane. Well, sort of. It's not perfect, but it's it's like a paper airplane. But it didn't land exactly on my lap, so she went and picked it back up and threw it back into my lap again. And actually, it took her a third time to throw it my way before I actually got it. And can I just admit, I was actually a little miffed. Now, I know you saints of God wouldn't get miffed by this, but I was. I was finding that I was getting a little bit out of kilter on this thing because I thought I had explained the boundaries. <laughs> and here she was launching this paper to me, and I'm thinking, am I going to have to put my Zoom meeting on mute and turn my camera off so that I can have an instructional moment with my granddaughter. Is that what's going to happen? But before I did, I looked down at the paper, which had slowly unfolded itself. And I realized that in the unmistakable handwriting and spelling of a first grader, 
were these words. And I, I've got a picture for you. Here it is. I don't know if you can see it, but I'll read it to you. It says, I love you more than biscuits and gravy. You're the best. I love you. <laughs> and I've got to say that now all of a sudden, the kingdom of heaven is like interruptions during a Zoom meeting too. <laughs> and I'm learning to be thankful even there. But but don't just take my word for it or Arabella's word for it, right? Listen, listen to what John Wesley said when he made comments on these scripture. Remember, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. L listen to what John Wesley said. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it up here on the screen for you. Here's what he said: rejoice evermore in uninterrupted happiness in God. Pray without ceasing, which is the fruit of always rejoicing in the Lord. In everything, give thanks, which is the fruit of both the former. This is Christian perfection, he says. Go figure. Farther than this, we cannot go, and we need not stop short of it. Wow. So just to be clear, you mean that when I was giving thanks for my coffee at Wawa, it was an expression of my joy in the Lord and a result of my ceaseless prayer, question mark? <laughs> in my early discipleship as a young pastor and as a young Christian, I would have said, I don't think those things are related. But in and by and through his perfecting grace, I believe that I see they really all are part of his plan. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing in everything, everything. Give thanks. The kingdom of God for me is like my experience at the Wawa, common, everyday, ordinary. And uh, I'm grateful that I'm a student in the Lord's school. <laughs> He's still teaching me. And uh, I just have a joyful question that I leave with you. Where is the Father calling upon you to give thanks to? Thanks be to God.